Backstories is an annual multi-sided storytelling festival located in the suburbs of Perth and beyond. Produced by the team at Centre for Stories, Backstories gives community members the chance to spend an afternoon with friends and family in the comfort of a neighbour's backyard and enjoy hearing local music and stories from trained storytellers. Backstories was possible with generous support from our sponsors, Lottery West, the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries and the Centre for Stories Founders Circle. This is a live recording of our Backstories event located at the suburb of Subiaco. Recorded on the 13th of March 2021, this afternoon featured live music from Naomi Guest and emceeing from Shanali Pereira. The story you're about to hear is from Stevie. I remember the first time I saw someone that looked like me. It was during a movie and it was when I was 18 years old. The movie was about a guy who just moved to a new small town in America and he was just getting to know himself and the people around him, making new friends, having fun and just, just being young and youthful. Unfortunately, his life came to a very short end and he was brutally uh, sexually assaulted and murdered in the last scene of the movie. Now, this was something that I really struggled with because after not seeing anyone like me for eight, 18 years, I now suddenly saw representation and it wasn't the kind of representation that looked good for me. So safe to say that I was ready to put that beside me and for at least another 18 years sort of not look at who I was as a person. So I guess growing up for me, um, I grew up in downtown, um, in down south, down in Albany, Western Australia. Uh, it was a pretty normal, I guess, upbringing, if you could say. I have an older sister. My mum was um, working in admin. My dad was a bus driver. And we lived a pretty sort of like normal life, um, very sort of small town kind of life. And... Um, it was, yeah, we didn't have a lot, but we sort of, you know, made, made do with a lot of what we had. And if you look at the photo album uh, of my childhood growing up, you'll see a few things. Firstly, you'll see the lovely mullet that I had growing up. Thanks, Mum. Um, <laughs> secondly, you'll see the lovely uh, homemade outfits that my mum used to make as well. Again, thank you. Um, if you can picture me and my sister in sort of long length frilly bathers, completely floral, um, safe to say we were quite popular. Um, <laughs> and thirdly, there was me, my face, and it was very bright and bubbly in my younger years and slowly as the years progressed, you could see that bright and bubbly face slowly turn into a frown. And I often look back at those photos and see sort of a, a real sort of lost energy there. And there were quite a few reasons, I guess, for that, reasons that I couldn't quite understand at the time. But I guess as I was getting older and particularly as I was getting into my younger sort of teenage years, I felt like something wasn't quite right, something was quite different. And again, it, it took me many years to get to a point where I could really understand what that meant. But as I was getting into sort of 12 and 13, I, I could feel myself and, you know, hormones racing, um, you know, things were starting to change and, um, you know, people were 
you know, making new relationships, new friendships, you know, getting to know who they liked and, and who liked them and their own sense of self and being. And I just felt completely like I didn't fit. And I, I think it's safe to say that during those years were, was the beginning of a really lifelong struggle for me with my mental health, but also with my sense of self in the world. So there were many times throughout my teenage years where I just felt like I didn't connect to those around me and I really didn't feel like I wanted to be here. I, I felt completely hollow and felt completely like I wasn't meant for this world. And it's a really difficult thing to struggle with. And I know for many people can probably relate the idea of not feeling like you're a part of the world around you or not feeling like you can connect with other people in that way. And for me, it was just... I, I felt completely hopeless and, and that's really what I could see in those photos and when I look back today at those photos, I can still see that. So realistically, what was happening with me was that I, um, my gender and my sexuality was something that I couldn't quite figure out. I knew I was starting to be attracted to people, um, I guess, of the same gender at the time and my own internal sense of self was not something that I could quite grapple with where everyone was saying that you had to either be a boy or a girl and you had to typically, you know, for me, do feminine things and wear jewellery and makeup. It's just not something that I really connected with. And it took me a really long time, well into my 20s and up until a few years ago, really, to actually be able to find the words and, and the language to describe what my experience actually meant and how I felt and to be proud and happy with that as well. And... Unfortunately, it took until I got to my lowest point and that was a few years ago and it really got to the point where, again, I guess, again, describing what I was describing before when I first started feeling that way when I was 12 or 13 continued up until a few years ago when I got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore and I really was at that point of thinking, okay, this is it. There's really nothing worth living for and I do need to end my life because there's no place for me here in this world. This world just really isn't made for me. And fortunately, I got to the other side of that um, and I did make it to the other side and I was able to get help. And I think the reason I was able to get help was because I did hit that rock bottom and I did feel that sense of, well, things really can't get much worse than this. So if they can't get much worse, then I might as well try and do what makes me happy and not try to live for what other people think and feel and based on other people's expectations of who I should be. And so I remember the conversation still that I had with my mum. I had a big notebook filled with notes of things to say to her because I couldn't quite figure out the words to describe how I was feeling and how I could accurately portray that to her. She's a very sort of hard woman, um, very working class, um, very sort of country gal and this is not really within her realm of things that she quite understands. Um, so the very idea of me being queer, um, particularly with me being trans, is, I guess, kind of a, a new concept, generally speaking, but the fact that I'm non-binary as well was something that I think was really difficult for her to really kind of understand. And so that was a really difficult conversation that I had to have with my mum. And I still remember what she said to me when I first told her that I was thinking about taking the next steps to transitioning and to being myself. And that was, look, 
it's been turmoil, but you've pushed through. So full steam ahead. <laughs> and that kind of really sums up my mum and how she is with things like this. She's kind of, you know, very, a very, like I said, a very hard woman, but when it comes down to it, she really is quite supportive. And as long as I'm happy being myself, uh, she really is there for me. And so I started my, my journey into, into my transition, my physical transition to become who I felt like I was on the outside. And it was, um, I guess, a bit, a bit of its own struggle to say the least. Uh, there's a lot of different barriers that comes when it comes to transitioning. Um, there's so many different psych appointments that you have to go to, so many health professionals that you have to see. Um, and basically I spent a lot of money and a lot of time telling people and convincing people who I am. Uh, so, which seems like a, a bit redundant really, but um, eventually I got to the point where I was able to really follow through and go through with my physical transition. And um, I guess you could say when it comes to, to trans people um, and trans experiences, there's no one experience that's the same, not one from the next. Everyone experiences something different. Um, but there are some sort of common similarities when it comes to trans experiences. And unfortunately, one of the big ones is mental health. As I mentioned, I did struggle quite a bit with my mental health. Um, and that's not because there's anything inherently wrong with me. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong with trans gender diverse people. But that's more to do because of how we're treated in the world and how the world doesn't really make a space for us and doesn't really see us as important enough to think of from the get-go. It's sort of more of an afterthought. And I read, a, I read a study recently that said that up to 50% of trans people have attempted suicide at least once in their lives. And I know personally I was part of that statistic. And I just think if up to 50% of trans people have tried to attempt suicide at, once, at, at least once in their life, then we really need to be doing something about it. And when you think about that compared to the 3% of the general population, it really is a really big jump from what is the standard. So I guess you could say when I walked into those uh, hospital doors last year on February 20 to get gender affirmation surgery that I was beating the odds, I guess, of some kind, which is a really, again, ridiculous thing to say, to say that for someone to be themselves, they're beating, they're beating the odds. Um, and that's not, to, that's not to give myself a pat on the back and say, yes, I made it and other people didn't because, of course, you know, that's, it, that's really just me saying it's ridiculous that we should, be, um, we should be holding that standard to trans people in the first place. The fact that it's um, a success story that someone is alive is, is really ridiculous for any population. But as I sat there after the surgery and I did sort of after the surgery... Um, that I had, which was chest, chest surgery. I remember watching that film again that I mentioned at the start of the story, the film about the, um, the man, and he was a trans man, and the story was called Boys Don't Cry. And I cried sitting there on my couch at home, watching this story again, and it sort of had a whole new meaning to it because even though he died at the hands of discrimination and at the hands of others, um, I was still here today. And again, even though so many people have passed away, I think every trans story that comes to the forefront um, and every person that's able to be themselves and get through these kind of, um, you know, situations and experiences despite the world being against them, it really is a triumph. 
And I can safely say that I am me and unapologetically. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Centre for Stories is a not-for-profit organisation with charitable status. Our team is small and nimble and we love what we do. To help us continue doing what we love, consider a small donation. You can donate at centreforstories.com.